0: Hey, and welcome to the CCWC podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to be part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, as we look at this series, we've got two weeks left, and we've been talking about what it means to be part of the family of God. We've been looking at different uh, instances in Scripture, different stories, and historical accounts in Scripture about the relationships within the context of family. And some, probably, some weeks you can relate directly. Maybe last week, as we talked about in-laws and outlaws, you you kind of thought, "Yeah, I've got an in-law, or I've got a couple of." outlaws in life. Maybe as we talked about the father and son relationship that applied, or maybe the daughter-in-law, the in-laws, the the daughter-in-law and and the mother-in-law. Maybe you you were able to relate to uh, the, the instances where we talked about specific relationships between brothers or between siblings, so to speak. Or maybe you haven't been able to relate to many of these at all. Maybe your family, so to speak, is smaller. Perhaps you've found yourself at a place where you're like, okay, I can apply these at kind of a, a family of God level, but not necessarily at a level where I have specific family relationships. Well, today we're going to step outside of the, the bloodline, so to speak, and we're going to talk specifically and directly about the family of God as it pertains to all in the friends. And so today we're going to look at what it means to honor God in our relationships with friends. We're going to talk about what it means to literally have friends, what it looks like, what the nature of friendship is, what it looks like to practice, and what some of the benefits are of having friends as well in this world. As we walk through looking at the, uh, the engagement of relationships, we do so empowering the family of God by exploring the relationships in Scripture. I will mention this, next week as we conclude this series, we're going to do so with Family Fifth Sunday, which if you haven't been here for the last year or so, we've on the fifth uh, week of the month when we have one of those, we're all in here together, so there is no children's ministry. We will have infant nursery, but there is no children's ministry, so everyone will be in here together. And we're going to study and we're going to look at what it means to tuck in a superhero, meaning what does it look like uh, to parent our children, and we're going to look particularly at Mary and Joseph and what it was like to... Tuck in Jesus, and so we'll be studying that. One thing I will say is this: if you're bringing kids, we're going to uh, invite them to join us in this room and to wear superhero costumes if they have one of those. It'd be kind of a fun way for them to engage as well. And so, uh, and Jesus was a superhero too. So if anybody wants to dress up as Jesus, you can. I don't know if there's extra points for that, but in any of we're excited about next week. Uh, we'll be in here, all of us together, for a time of, uh, of fellowship and worship. Thoughts on friendship. Thoughts on friendship. Sometimes friends are like family or even closer than family. Perhaps you have that uncle or that aunt that you call Uncle Jim or Aunt Betty that aren't really blood relatives, but they're so close that they're like family. Another thought on friendship is uh, friends, or family I should say, are individuals that you can't choose. Friends are individuals that you do choose. Another thought on friendship, and this is an interesting one, particularly when you look at the people that you run with. Friends are impactful in our life. And the phrase, show me your friends and I can show you your future is appropriate because in many cases, the way your friends talk, the way they act, the values they have are going to rub off on you. The world has a lot of sayings, and many of them have real value when it pertains to friends, when we understand what a friend is and how we're to engage with friends. The world has these expectations of friendships, but let me tell you, in some cases those line up, but in a lot of cases they do not line up with the Word of God. In fact, today we're going to look directly at what God says about friends. Our primary passage is going to be in Mark chapter 2, but we're going to start with this a uh, culminating passage for the entire series and for this sermon in particular, John chapter 15, verse 12 through 17, and it reads like this. You can turn there if you want, but I'm going to jump right in. It reads like this, John 15, 12 through 17, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You, as my, you are my friend if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know the master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. As God provided a picture of the depth of friendship, let us step a little further in exploration of the nature, the practice, and the benefit of friendship. What is friendship all about? Why engage in it? What's the purpose? Certainly, God calls us to love and to do so unconditionally. But what does that actually look like? Why do it? What is the what is the response that we have? What do we, so to speak, get out of it? In some cases, in John, excuse me, in Mark chapter. Two, we find ourselves looking at the narrative of Jesus' ministry. And we see that early on in his ministry, as he's healing, as he's teaching, as he's going from place to place, that he's creating quite a following. There are many people that want to hear his words, that want to experience his healing touch, that want to experience forgiveness. And there were friends that uh, found themselves in a place where, hey, we want to experience Jesus and we have this other friend who has a physical affliction that we want to experience the healing of Jesus. And so what we're going to do is when Jesus comes to town and everybody is gathered around, we're going to bring our friend before Jesus. And when we bring him before Jesus, Jesus is going to heal him. We're going to see him change his life and we're going to experience this great restoration and reconciliation in our midst. And this plan was probably one that they, they had conjured up over the course of the evening. The, the night before Jesus came, they're talking about what to do and how they're going to get there. And so they put together all the details. And as they, they reflect upon these details, they, they put all the, the supplies together. They get their friend. They go to where Jesus was teaching and only to find that there was no room for Jesus or for them to come and get close to Jesus. These Friends, so to speak, had brought one, their friend, who could not get there on his own, who could not receive what he needed on his own, and so they took up for They sacrificed. They stepped forward in real action to bring forth an opportunity for their friend to experience the greatest gift, which is Jesus, the healing touch, the transformational touch of Jesus. Not just a physical touch, but a transformational heart and soul touch. And so they bring him before, they bring this friend before Jesus, or or they attempt to try to bring him before Jesus, only to find that there is no room, no way to get to the healer. Can I just say this as an aside? If you ever come to church here for an event or for a worship service, and you find there's no room, particularly for a worship service, there's always room on the front row. There's always room up front. And I will tell you, for half the service, I'll give up my seat. You can have my seat because it sits over there cold next to my son, right? Let's jump in. Mark chapter 2, we'll, we'll read what I just highlighted and beyond. It reads like this, chapter 2, verse 1. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, Capernaum the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a, a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. And since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to them, said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. And so we find ourselves right now, I'm going to pause for just a moment. We find ourselves right now recognizing these friends saw the obstacle. They saw the thing that was standing in the way of them getting to Christ. And they found this resourceful way of saying, okay, well, why don't we go up on the roof? And then they dig a hole through this person's roof, which I'm sure was much appreciated. And there's debris falling, there's things landing on Jesus. And then they lower their friend. This is a dangerous uh, activity as well. They lower their friend down before Jesus, not just dangerous because he could have fallen or the ropes could have torn or he could have shifted his weight. But but also dangerous because Jesus could have been like, What is this? I'm in the middle of a sermon. Why would you interrupt me like this? And there's not, I don't think we've got anything planned. No special events today, but. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like this? He, he's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus knew in his spirit I'm, uh, I'm tired. No, the, the man actually said, well, I, I, I can't right now. I've got a lot going on. Got to prepare a big meal. Got people coming over. Wait, no, here's the rewrite. It says, the man actually told Jesus, you know what, I appreciate the help, but I got to pull myself up by my bootstraps. I got to do this myself. I got to get myself right before I can let you really do anything in my life. Actually, what the verse says is this. He got up took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we, will, we have never seen anything like this. We sang a song earlier where we talked about praising God for what he's done, and I, I don't fully uh, think that that's, I mean, that that's what praise is. I don't fully think that that uh, fully captures exactly what took place here in the midst of what God was doing, but certainly we look at God and we see the things that he's done, the small things and the large things, and we praise him because of the things that he's done in our lives. And At the same time, we worship him because of the way that, that or because of the, the, the nature of who he is and what he has done. And we see here in this specific story the discernment that Jesus had to recognize the naysayers that were around him and to step into it as a teachable moment to say, let me show you something much greater. Let me show you a light in the midst of the darkness and the doubt to which you are living in. These friends have brought their friend before me and I'm going to take this opportunity to reveal to you the love and the forgiveness that only I can provide. And so when Jesus shares this, this word and this, and this physical miracle with the people, he's recognizing that friendship as one of the main building blocks to which he can use as an opportunity to be able to glorify the Father and to be able to bring forth transformation in this world. You see, the, the recognition here is that no man, no woman is an island. No one is self-made. No one can do it themselves. And the reflection is that God chose to create us as the body of Christ, as the hands, as the feet, as the different parts of the body, working together in unity so that we might support one another under the guidance and the, and the, and the ability of God so that we might be able to, to help others, to help each other to know him in a greater way and to experience him in a greater way. Now don't don't misunderstand me. You're not saved because of someone else's faith. You're not saved because your parents were Christians or because of the fact that somebody else has been praying for you, been going to you. You have to make the decision on your own, but God created us to grow together in relationship with him. I'll say this later and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I'll also say it now. You can't love God and hate other people. No, God calls us to love each other and that's part of the way that we reflect the love that we have for him. The nature of friendship. There's uh, an interesting pattern, if you notice, on your note guide. uh, If you're taking uh, notes, it's on the back of the bulletin, your note guide today. And we're going to walk through these specifically. Certainly, you can fill in the blanks, but there's also a place there for you to be able to put other notes if you'd like to. The first thing to know about the nature of friendship is this, the Father. The Father. Let me explain. The first verse of chapter 2 reads like this. A few days later, when Jesus again entered... Now, I recognize here that Mark was being very intentional about the way that he expressed and shared this story with those who would be reading it. The reality is he started with the father. He started with what God had given us, the son Jesus. And so here we recognize that in all accounts, God is the source and the start of all friendship. This gift of friendship that we have is not of something of our own or something we created or made, but instead God is the author of all good things and the good things include the friendship that we can have with others. Friendship has to come from somewhere. In fact, if you look at uh, the Old Testament, if you look at the first part of the Old Testament in Genesis, we see that Adam is alone in the garden and God creates an opportunity for him to experience real companionship by creating another, the first best friend situation, right? Adam and Eve. And like it and like all good things, God has brought forth an opportunity for us to be able to experience friendship as well. It's not just a gift in and of itself, but it's a shaping of all that we do. The point is that this is almost somewhat of a microcosm of the entire sermon, and that is that God is the generator, the one who brings us opportunity to be able to experience this concept of friendship. God is the gift giver, and the, and, and the gift that he gave, and the instruction that he gave is also through his life, the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the, the perfect reflection of what friendship should look like. The perfect reflection of what support looks like. God grants friendship. As a passage continues in verse 5, it reads like this. When Jesus saw their faith, after the friends had brought their friend before, and Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. When Jesus saw their faith. When Jesus saw the faith that they had in him, the faith that they had in one another, he moved, he worked, he brought forth forgiveness. The nature of true friendship can only be embraced by the faith that only God can give. Real friendship based upon who God is and what he does comes only from him and the faith that he provides. The sacrifice that they had and their willingness to push forward was one that indicated the faith that they had in the God that they were serving, the God they were curious about, the God that they came to be able to see in that moment in that day. You see, friendship takes action. And action requires faith. The friends came before Jesus. They they showed up in that situation. For, for myself, for, our, for my family, we, we don't live close to, to a, a lot of family outside of, of our immediate family. In fact, uh, the, the closest uh, blood relatives we have are a couple hours away. And, and particularly the last place that we served in South Dakota, it was about a 12 to 15 hour drive to any family members. And so we didn't get home, so to speak, to visit here in Ohio. My wife's from Indiana. And we didn't get home to visit very often to be able to see them uh, for holidays or for other activities. And our best friends, my, 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 some family friends that we have, our best friends live actually uh, just, just over in Circleville. And the visits we have now are a little bit more frequent. But I can remember specifically when we were uh, out in South Dakota, and certainly we weren't lonely. We had lots of, of people there at the church, and we had a good community. But it was, it's good from time to time to experience a little bit of home, right? Anybody, you've been away for a while, maybe you've been on leave in the mil- or out in the military, or you've had to move, whatever it might be. Maybe right now you're not close to home. And it's good to experience a little bit of home. And I remember specifically one Easter. One Easter where uh, our friends, they they drove all night, 16 hours all night. They stopped at at a Planet Fitness in Sioux Falls about 45 minutes away, got showered, got changed, drove the last little bit to show up for service at church. They showed up. They came, they took action They were there when needed. They they came to be able to bring joy and hope and hopefully an opportunity for us to be able to experience some some Christ-centered camaraderie. Friends show up, and the the faith that we can have in one another is a result, a response to the action of showing up. It's the power that that grants us opportunity to be able to experience the faith and the friendship. Friendship. Looking at that verse again, verse 5 culminates with Jesus doing some real action. It says, When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Then after this interaction, jumping down to verse 10, once again, it reads like this, But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of all of them, of them all, excuse me. This amazed everyone and they praised God saying, "We have never seen anything like this." The result, the response of this specific interaction that Jesus had with these men was one that brought forth forgiveness. If you've been friends with anyone for any amount of time, the longer it goes, the more And the deeper your relationship grows, the more apt you are to have uh, experienced an opportunity where forgiveness needs to be given, where forgiveness needs to be practiced, where forgiveness needs to be granted and or received. God's forgiveness is highlighted and plays out in this passage right here, particularly in verses 10 through 12, the ultimate picture of forgiveness, the ultimate picture and example of what a godly relationship looks like. Forgiveness is one that that we recognize is probably one of the most difficult things to do within the context of a friendship, particularly in a world that is based upon just kind of throwing things away when they're difficult or when they take work or when they get us out of our regular schedule. This is too much work. I can't do this. Goodbye. The nature of friendship is based specifically on these three as engaged in this passage father a generator of all faith the engagement in one another showing up together and forgiveness a heart of selflessness let's take a moment to look at the practice of friendship and we're going to read specifically from proverbs in each of these the first one proverbs 17 17 proverbs 17 17 a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity and the first point there, if you're taking notes, is, is steadiness or consistency. This, this steadiness of what it means to engage in all times. A friend loves at all times. It doesn't mean that a friend is passive and just allows you to do whatever. Love sometimes requires we step in and share the hardships or share the the hard words that might be difficult. And we'll talk about that in a moment as well. But certainly there must be this steadiness, and steadiness isn't something that's automatically given in many cases, and it, it is earned. It's something that over time we gather, we put together. I I was actually at the the OU football game yesterday, and and certainly the football game was a, a good one. If you if you watched it, you recognized it was a a A game all the way to the end. It wasn't a blowout either way, and and OU came out victorious at the end, which is a a great result, especially for the home team. But the amazing thing about it is when you're sitting next to someone who is really involved in, really, uh, I'll just say involved in, that's the nicest way to put it, cheerleading, you tend to watch the cheerleaders with this person more than you do the football game. And so while there's a great play taking place on the field, there's also someone nudging you saying, look at that. Wow, that's a neat cheer. Look at how, look at how they're lifting each other up. And I, I, and I sat there and I thought, you know, I, I love my daughter. <laughs> and I watch her cheer on the field. She, she cheers actually for Alexander. But let me just tell you right now, I want to watch a football game. But there was one point where I was totally amazed as the cheerleaders are lifting each other up and they're doing pyramids and they're doing all these different things where the girl on the top, and she was, what, three people high. I don't know what the phrases are. If you're into that kind of cheer and you want to correct me afterwards, feel free. I'll be in the back. But there, there were all these, these people that were doing all these different things. And this girl on the top, at the time when it was, it was time to, to conclude this part of their cheer, she basically just rolls off and falls backwards on her back, Two or three people high into two or three trusting armed people at the bottom. And I looked at my daughter and I said, first of all, you're never doing that. (laughs) And then the second thing I said is, it is amazing to think about the steadiness and the consistency that had to go into that relationship for her to trust those people that much. I've done a trust fall before where you basically just fall backwards, and even that is difficult. This person fell 10, 15 feet into the hands of the people below. And it takes time, and it takes energy, and it takes uh, investment to be able to come to a place where steadiness is there. A friend loves at all times. The second one in Proverbs 27:6 reads like this: Faithful are the wounds of a friend; profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. What does that mean? Does that mean that we're supposed to hurt each other? We're supposed to to tear each other down? No, there's this concept of sincerity. Sincerity or canter. And the the recognition is this, that sometimes there's times we need to step in with with difficult words, with words that come from a place of love, but we share them because we care more about the person growing, more about the person being corrected in the relationship with Christ than we do hurting their feelings. I had a friend that, that, that started a podcast called the, the Curse of Niceness, and the reality is this, and we're, we're somewhat in this, this culture, this, this curse of niceness, and the reality is that sometimes uh, on the basis of trying to be nice to each other, we're not kind, and sometimes those words can be synonyms for each other. People use niceness and kindness together, but the reality is that they're, they're almost enemies because when you are nice... You mince words, you keep from saying things that might hurt someone's feelings, but when you are kind, even in love that might be difficult, excuse me, you bring forth the truth that's necessary for the other person to be able to grow in their faith. And so when we step forward in sincerity, and we do so in the concept of faithfulness, uh, uh, faithful are the wounds of a friend, basically what we're saying is it may create a, a difficult thing for the other person to walk through, for our friends to walk through, but it also helps them to recognize the likelihood that they are not honoring God. The likelihood that they are they are walking down a dangerous path. And finally, Proverbs seventeen nine reads like this: Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. And this final one is sympathy or compassion. You, and I said this earlier: You can't be friends or can't. Be, you can't hate someone else and be friends with God. You can't engage and love God while having a hated or hateful relationship with someone else. At the same time, an endeavor to put God first is, is ultimately the reality of what we're to do. That Our desire should always be to have God as the center of all things and rightly aligning our priorities so that God is first and others are second. But the reality is this. In many cases, we put God first and then we kind of dismiss other people altogether. Like, okay, I, I got my relationship with God. I'm going to either do this on my own or I don't want to be hurt, so I'm going to put people aside. And so what we end up doing is we suffer alone rather than suffer together. Or we, we mourn alone rather than mourn together. We, we celebrate alone rather than celebrate together. Well, in essence, this concept of sympathy re- is regarded that God wants us to walk through this journey of life together in the good times in the difficult times. The third part of this Sermon, this section, is regarded in this concept of what are the benefits of friendship. Friendship can be difficult. Friendship can be scary. Putting ourselves out there can be scary. Certainly, friendship, uh, we put ourselves out there, and and when we're vulnerable, we can be hurt. We let someone get close to us, and oftentimes, the closer we let someone get to us, if we get hurt, the the harder, the, the more difficult it is, the more deeper it might cut us. You know, I can say this, certainly from time to time, friendships can become toxic. They can be a time that's, that not, that's not honoring to God. That's, that's a, a time actually that, that is bringing each of us down. And it doesn't mean that you have to be friends with every single person. In fact, sometimes there are times in relationships where you might say, I can't be the friend that you need me to be. I've, I've said that before. I can't be the friend that you need me to be. What, what you require, what you're asking of me, I can't be that. I, I, can't, I can't do that. And, and the sad thing is, in many cases, in those kind of situations, that the person that receives that uh, might even hear it differently or might receive it differently without regard of recognizing what might be taking place. But in all aspects, it's okay to recognize that you don't have to or you won't be friends with every single person. But certainly God calls us to be friends with people and he gives us the benefit, the the potential upside to the potential downside. So the question asked once again is, what does God say about friendships? We're going to look at John chapter 15 for this last portion. The first benefit is this, companionship. John chapter 15, verse 12 and 13 says, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. Again, this is the first gift that, that God gave to humanity. This is what he gave to, to Adam. Here is companionship. Here is another that you can live life with. When I was in elementary school, the 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 church youth group did a play called Friends Forever. And it was based on the song Michael W. Smith, you know, Friends are Friends Forever. And it was a great experience for them. And I remember watching the play. I used to have to go to rehearsals because my sisters were in the play. And, and I remember watching rehearsals and watching how much fun they had and recognizing, just observing as a kid the way that they engaged together, the way that they, they had this fun together. And, the, and there was a commonality of wanting to do something for Christ that brought them together in this companionship moment. What does friendship truly look like? It looks like laying down your life for another. It looks like coming and showing up for another. It looks like being there in the way that Christ demonstrated for us. While we may have have hurt one another or while we may have yet been sinners, we demonstrate the love that Christ has in sacrifice and showing up in companionship. The second one there is verse 14 and 15. It reads like this, You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For for everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. And the second one is comfort. It's a comfort to know that our friendships and in our friendships, we can live as co-heirs. To the kingdom. We can be brothers and sisters in Christ under God's headship, under His leading. And it's a comfort to know that God chose us. He chose to give us an identity, He chose to give us a way. It's been this nice alliteration. All of the, if you've been taking notes, you recognize all the letters add up. And this last one, this third one, wait for it. You know, we, we get through this alliteration to kind of bring it all together companionship, comfort, and joy. Don't be so disappointed to hear the word joy, especially the joy of friendship. Verse 16 and 17 says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that you, whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. And I'm, I'm reflecting upon, I can't, I can't get this imagery out of my mind of Paul and Silas, if you don't know about Paul and Silas, read, read the New Testament and, and, and read particularly in Acts about Paul and all the, the things that he did. And then many of the, the books after that are letters that he wrote. But Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16, sitting in prison, sitting in a dark and hopeless place, singing and praising God. And you know what? They didn't do it alone on two separate sides because I didn't like that song. Or I didn't like the pace or he didn't use the instrument I want or he didn't sing the song. I no, they sang together. And when they sang together, they did so praising God in prison, in a place of darkness, in a place of despair, and they said, God, because of the friendship that we have, the camaraderie we have, we are able to be better, stronger together, praising you, loving you, guiding you, and asking you, God, to continue to lead us and guide us. Perhaps the the call today is this, it's simple, embrace the gift of true God-centered friendship. Because in the prisons of life, that will inevitably come, and we know those moments will come. There's always room and a need for someone to lean on. In most cases, it's a friend. Make room for a friend. Open yourself up to a friend. Allow a friend to live life with you. There's always room for friends in the family. Embrace the goodness of God through the gift of His friends through the gift that he puts in your life, through the people that may not be blood relatives but might be as close or closer than family. I'm going to close us in prayer. ask you to stand as as we pray together and then we're going to sing a song together in celebration of the good God who loves us and supplies the opportunity to experience real and lasting friendship relationships. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the gift that it is your word that provides us opportunity to be able to experience you and to be able to experience real and lasting relationships. And as we've walked through this series, we've seen all the different relationships of the family. God, this one is unique in and of itself because you, in some ways, make, make friends closer than family. In this body and in in those that are joining in this room and joining online, God, you have provided opportunity for us to be able to experience real and lasting friendships. In this body, in other churches, in this area, and and around the the, the region, around the world, God, we have opportunity to be able to experience this, this friendship, depth of friendship relationships, God. May we step forward in the way that you have created us to live, embracing godly friendships. Thank you, Father, for your movement. Thank you, God, for your gift. Thank you for this time. We could praise you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for spending time with us today. Thank you especially to those of you who give to CCWC. It is through your faithfulness that makes this ministry possible. Also, if you have any questions about today's teaching or if you want to learn more about CCWC, feel free to contact our office, check the web, or follow us on our social media platforms. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we do encourage you to take a moment to subscribe and share it with friends. Let this be a blessing to someone else that you love in your life. You're always welcome to join us on Sunday morning for worship, or until then, we'll catch you on the next one. God bless.